Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through, and keeping their delicate skin happy and healthy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick, goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable as the diaper rash. Instead, try Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant, free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash. Use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel good about making the right choice. Nothing comes between you and your baby, not even diaper rash. Check out Dr. Mom Butt Balm, available on Amazon or walmart.com. Well, hello there, Dr. Nicole here. I am thrilled to share something incredible with you today. Imagine having a treasure trove of informative, entertaining, and empowering video content about the journey to parenthood right at your fingertips. That's exactly what you get with Informed Pregnancy Plus. For less than 25 cents a day, you'll gain access to a vast subscription library filled with documentary films, web series, mind and body fitness programs, workshops, and courses covering fertility to parenting and everything in between. A few of my favorite titles are The Business of Being Born, Empowered Mama, Belly Dance for Birth, Ease into Sleep, The Afterbirth Plan, and The Core Connection. And here's the best part. For a limited time, you can gain full access absolutely free. Just visit informedpregnancy.tv to sign up. Get Informed Pregnancy Plus right now for your informed and empowered parenting journey, all from the comfort of your home. Visit informedpregnancy.tv. Again, that's informedpregnancy.tv. In this birth story episode, Kelsey wasn't exactly planning for a V-back, but a V-back is exactly what she got and in quite the spectacular fashion. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. If you're having a baby in the hospital, you are giving birth in a system that too often takes away power from women over what happens in their own bodies. I'm Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a practicing board-certified OBGYN, who's had the privilege of helping well over a thousand babies into this world. I've been a doctor for over 20 years, and I'm here to help you take back your power, advocate for yourself, and have the beautiful pregnancy and birth that you deserve. This podcast is for educational purposes only, and it's not a substitute for medical advice. Check out the full disclaimer at drnicolerankins.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 240. Whether this is your first time listening or you have been here before, I'm so glad you're spending some time with me today. In today's birth story episode, we have Kelsey. Kelsey is a mom to two wonderful kiddos, her son and daughter. She was active duty Air Force for five years before jumping into the world of law enforcement for the past four years. They have lived in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Texas, Florida, and now live in North Carolina. She is an avid workout person. She loves the mountains and any other outdoor activities. Kelsey had a planned cesarean for her first birth because her daughter was breech. Now, when she became pregnant with her second, she didn't really feel strongly about having a VBAC, and she really hadn't thought about it until her doctor brought it up. They came up with a plan where if she went into labor on her own, she'd try for a VBAC. Well, going into labor on her own is exactly what happened. And in fact, from her first contraction to when her son was born was under five hours. A fast labor can be great, but not necessarily great. And you're going to hear that in Kelsey's story. You'll also hear about how her recovery from her vaginal birth actually ended up being more challenging than the recovery from her cesarean, including some issues with something called granulation tissue formation in her vagina after birth. 
Now, another thing you're going to hear in the story is how Kelsey's hospital actually had a process to help her make a birth plan. And that is great, but it is not typical. But don't you worry, I have got you covered for making a birth plan. All you have to do is take my free birth plan class, make a birth plan the right way. It'll teach you the questions you need to ask, the process you need to go through in order to make a birth plan that actually works to help you have the birth that you want. You can check out that free class at drnicolerankins.com forward slash birth plan. All right, let's get into this birth story episode with Kelsey. so much, Kelsey, for agreeing to come onto the podcast. I am really excited to talk about, we're going to talk about your second birth um, of VBAC. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on here. Yeah. So why don't you start off by telling us a bit about yourself and your family? Okay. Um, I am currently living in North Carolina. We just moved here last year from Florida and it is me and my husband and my two kiddos. I have a five-year-old daughter and now a one-year-old son. Okay. And, um, yeah, we are a prior military family. Uh, I'm coming from Air Force, so we were in Florida for seven years and now North Carolina. Okay. What part of North Carolina? Just south of Raleigh. Oh, yeah. Okay. I used to live in uh, Durham, and I went to oh. college in Greensboro, so I'm familiar with North Carolina. Oh, awesome. Yeah, we're getting the cool weather right <laughs> yes. now. We aren't quite used to that yet. Oh, yeah. It's like cold, cold right now. It's unusually cold. cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're talking about mostly your second birth, which I'm going to, spoiler alert, say was a VBAC. But um, there's tons more to the story, y'all. So stay tuned. <laughs> but let's talk about why did you have a cesarean with your first birth? Yeah. So my daughter was identified as Frank Breach okay. at, I think, our 34, 35 week appointment. Mm -hmm. And they had made the suggestion to schedule a C-section, but they did give us the option to do an ECV, uh -huh. which I can't yep, pronounce what that stands yeah, for. Ex external cephalic version, just a fancy way of saying try to turn the baby around. Yes. So we actually did decide to try that. Okay. Uh, and we attempted that at 38 weeks. Okay. And she wasn't moving. Very okay. stubborn. They okay. tried two to three times, didn't move. So we proceeded with the C-section. Gotcha. Gotcha. So... Was the, was the version attempt painful? It really wasn't. I know they tell you to be prepared uh -huh. in case something happens to go into labor, right. but um, I, I would say it was just more of a pressure. Okay, okay. all right. Um, it really wasn't too painful. So I was happy we tried okay. it. Okay, good, good. And she was just like, no, thank you. I'm, I, I am where I am, so. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't even move a centimeter. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Sometimes they, children declare themselves. They, they just... They just stay yeah. how they're going to stay, you know? So, yeah. So when you got pregnant again, were you thinking that you wanted to try for a VBAC? Honestly, I, I wasn't. I had my daughter in a military hospital and everything went great with my C-section. So she had said, if you want to try a VBAC for your next child, you can. Uh -huh. But they were so far apart, I had kind of forgot about it, it. and was now seeing a civilian doctor. So I, you know, was just hoping for a healthy birth, but I'm almost kind of assuming it was going to be a C-section. Okay. Did did they bring it up or did you I bring it up? Like how the conversation <laughs> um, come up? I had a really supportive doctor and she just had a conversation with me. She said, you know, um, do you want another C-section? Do you want to try a VBAC? And it, it surprised uh -huh. me. I said, well, I guess I would like to right. try a VBAC, right. I think. <laughs> and she said, okay, as pregnancy progresses, we'll keep talking about it. And if something comes up where it's not an option, then it won't be an option. But uh, it was always on the books to try it. Okay. So she brought it up fairly early then. Yes. Yeah. I would say my first appointment almost. Oh, that's outstanding because yeah. sometimes people don't bring it up <laughs> until later. So that's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And to... Have a breech baby is a great indication to try for a VBAC because it's not something that's likely to recur. And I'm sure she told you about all of that. So then um, as your pregnancy and prenatal care progressed, what was your pregnancy and prenatal care like the second time around? Uh, I, again, I had a great supportive doctor and physicians. I saw mainly my my OB, uh -huh. um, but they had a couple other doctors that if something came up, I would see. And I loved my nurses. Um, I was super sick with my second. Oh. I was wanting to throw up probably until almost six or seven months. So besides that, everything was healthy and smooth. We didn't have any issues, just tired and had a toddler running gotcha. around. Gotcha. Did you notice any differences between military care and civilian care? 
Like that's the the golden question. <laughs> um, I really actually didn't. My military care, I saw a, um, oh man. So she was in her third year. Oh, a resident. So okay. a resident. Um, and she was overseen by the the main OB, uh-huh. but I've really had a great experience with her and she was there the whole time. She helped with the ECV procedure. She was there during the C-section um, and still checked in with me weeks after. And the hospital and nurses delivery went great. I know some people have different experiences, sure. but I really had a great experience. And I would say same uh, similar with my civilian okay. doctor. Okay. They they were both real experiences. I didn't really have issues. Okay, well, that's great to hear. We like it. We like it. So as you were getting closer towards the end, then what did you do to prepare for your birth? Like, what were you thinking in your mind? Ooh, so some people would call us crazy. I actually moved from Florida to North Carolina by myself to start my new job when I was 34 weeks pregnant. Are you serious? My OB was, was um, not, not extremely supportive, but understood that I needed to start my job. So my husband and daughter were still in Florida. And I was in North Carolina by myself from 34 to 38 weeks. Are you did you how did you like had you lined up a new OB already or like so I actually did um they were great I found uh an OB here who took all my records uh-huh. and said we'll make it happen right. I think because it's a military uh-huh. area they're used to people uh, being gotcha. in and out so she saw me for my 36 week appointment and then um I went back down I drove by myself 10 hours from North Carolina to Florida at 38 weeks. So I did everything you are not supposed to do. Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, so I was uh, by myself for four weeks to start my uh, new position in order to, it was like a fine line because I had to scrunch in to get my 12 weeks maternity leave. So I needed to start. And then I really wanted to have my baby in Florida and my husband's job wasn't starting for a few months up here. So we uh, made the decision to go back to Florida and have my son. <laughs> okay, so you moved at 34 weeks by yourself and then had one appointment in North Carolina because you're going to keep your prenatal care up. Yes, <laughs> and then yes. decided to, and then went back to Florida to have the baby. Yes. Wow. I, the things I know, women I know. do in order to make things work. Okay. So we, we say the stars aligned with everything towards the end of pregnancy. Right. Luckily, it was healthy and I had no complications. Right. And we had backup plans sure, on backup plans sure. in case something sure. happened. But I was able to make okay. it back at least by two okay. days. Okay. So you made it back. And then, okay. So then were you thinking like, did you schedule a C-section or did you say, I'm just going to see how things go? What was, how did that go? Before I had left, uh-huh. she recommended, let's get you on the calendar for a C-section okay. just in case. Okay. And she had scheduled me for one at 39 weeks. Okay. Okay. Um, and we had had the discussions about how long I would want to try labor for, mm-hmm. you know, if I wanted two hours, then a C-section, if I wanted 10 hours then a C-section, right. if I wanted to give it longer than that. And then we had prepared that I would, they would not, um, oh, what's the word? Not induce me. induce me. Okay. They would not induce me because of the prior C-section. Okay. Um, but if I had gone into labor by myself naturally, uh-huh. they were fully supportive of that. So the C-section was on the books and scheduled for the following Saturday. So a week after I got back. Okay. 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 All right. All right. <laughs> so then was there anything, did, did you, what did you do to prepare for your birth? Or did you feel like you were already ready? Oh, I don't <laughs> think I was ever ready for birth. <laughs> I listened to almost all of your podcasts, probably before birth, (laughs) just in preparation of all the things that could happen, Uh things that could go great, things that could go wrong, the differences between having another Mm C-section and trying for VBAC and the complications that could occur. Mm -hmm. So I try to educate myself as much as possible. We also expected a full week of preparations. (laughs) I I really didn't think my body would go into labor Uh naturally. So we were pretty set on the C-section and I thought the week that I had between um, when I got back from North Carolina uh-huh. and when the C-section was, uh-huh. we would prepare and we would practice what labor would be like right. and how to breathe through it. Right. And um, I 
would tell you we did not get to that point. <laughs> so we did not practice. That's the one big regret I have is that we did not practice what labor and breathing and, sure. and contractions would feel like. Gotcha. Gotcha. So is there anything in particular that you wanted for your birth or was it kind of more go with the flow or? It was really a healthy baby. Okay. We had actually had three losses in between my two children oh my and goodness. an infertility workup. Oh. So we really just wanted healthy baby, sure. healthy mom sure. and we were okay with anything that happened. Okay. Okay. So speaking of what happened, you alluded to there was not a, a week um, <laughs> that happened. Well, I guess I should back up and say, was there anything you were afraid of or worried about for your birth? Just the unknown. I think I knew what a C-section would be uh-huh. and the idea of labor and a child coming out down there scared me. Gotcha. <laughs> like a whole human coming out of your yes. body. Yes. Did you know that 95% of pregnant women are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s? Enter Ritual. Their prenatal contains 350 milligrams of eco-friendly vegan omega-3 DHA in every serving. One of the reasons I like Ritual is that it's a female-founded B Corp meaning they are holding themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. In addition to those omega-3 DHAs to support baby's brain development, Ritual also has choline and methylated folate to support baby's neural tube development. And the capsules feature a delayed release design to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. Why settle for a multivitamin you're not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it's the real deal. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole. Start Ritual or add a Central for Women prenatal to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole for 25% off. So then what exactly happened then? You did not have a scheduled C-section. So how did things unfold? Um, so I had gotten back late, late on a Friday night from North Carolina and Saturday was fine. I didn't have any Braxton Hicks or false labor. And Sunday we decided to host my four-year-old's birthday party, which looking back might've sent me into labor, but I didn't feel anything that day. I was just on my feet and moving around and I had gone to bed and woke up around midnight. And I thought I was dreaming that I had felt some sort of pain in my stomach Uh So I kind of got up and and was like, wow, was that a dream? Did I actually feel something down there? Um, I'll just get up. And so I walked around the house for a little bit, kind of went into the guest room just so I wouldn't wake my husband up and fell back asleep probably for an hour or two. And then by 2 a.m., I woke up and (laughs) knew that something was going on. I was like, wow, I really feel like the pains that I think are contractions. So I pulled out my contraction timer and started attempting to to track them and see how far apart they were. And I was anywhere from 15 minutes to 12 minutes, uh-huh. back to 17 minutes. So I, I thought, you know, I wonder if I'm just having Braxton Hicks right. or false labor. Um, I'm going to lay back down for a little bit. So I tried to lay down again. And then I kind of had the urge to go to the bathroom. So I got up and went to the bathroom and there was blood. Okay. So I knew something might have been up. Right. Um, I decided to call my doctor's office and they said, you know, come in because your contractions are so far apart. You know, it might not be for a while, but you have blood. So let's get you checked out. So I woke up my husband mm-hmm. probably around three o'clock now. Okay. And I said, hey, I think I'm going to drive myself to the hospital. I think it's false labor, right. Braxton Hicks. Right. You stay with our daughter. Right. Get her to daycare in the morning. I'll probably still be there. They're going to check me out. Right. And then you can come up after that if you want. Right. But I, I don't think it's really happening. <laughs> so just pack a bag and I'll grab mine just in case. So I left the house at probably 3.15. Uh-huh. And it's a 50-minute drive to our OBER that we had. Oh, you said 50? 50. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. And probably about 20 minutes into it, I was having immense pain and pulling over to the side of the road and putting my flashers on and trying to still time these contractions, which I had actually got down to five minutes apart right. and I thought I was doing something wrong. So I kept driving. I put my husband on speaker because it's pitch blackout. And I said, I just want you to be on speaker in case something happens. But I would pull over, put my flashers on, try to breathe through whatever was happening. Right. 
and then keep driving. My husband was starting to get a little worried at you this think? point. Like, I think something's going on. I said, I don't know. I've never been in labor. I still don't think my body knows how to do labor. We're good. Right. We're good. It's okay. <laughs> so I got to the hospital by four o'clock, uh-huh. pulled in, barely made it into the lobby and kind of like hunched over through another contraction and the security guard came over and said, are you okay? Do you need help with something? And I'm like, I, I need to get to the OBR. Yes. He's like panicking, trying to get me in a yes. wheelchair, get me up there. <laughs> and I check in and it was surprisingly calm. I've never been in an OBER, uh-huh. but they just kind of check you in, uh-huh. ask you who your doctor is but I was full blown panicking at this point and in a lot of pain right. and my husband was on speaker and I said, okay, just let me get checked and I'll call you back right. and see what's going on. So the doctor comes in and she said, well, I, are you here for a scheduled C-section induction? Are you, you know, do soon? I said, well, I have a scheduled C-section, but I have a VBAC plan with my doctor as well. Mm-hmm. And I had done the hospital birth plan. So I had all my paperwork with me. Right. I was, I was oh, the hospital and, had a birth plan. Yeah. I had to meet with the hospital. Um, I, I don't know what her title was, but I had to meet with them to go through it as well. Ah. So I had multiple documents okay. ready to go right. and kind of handed them over. And she said, okay, well, if you are having a VBAC, we can't find your VBAC paperwork, which you have to sign a lot of documents mm-hmm. saying you accept the risk right. of what's going on. Right. And I said, no, I filled it all out. I have it somewhere. And still trying to breathe through this pain and I'm like, something needs to happen. Do you have pain meds? Is there something that we can do because I can't handle what's going on right now? And she said, well, let me just check you. And she checked. I've never had a cervix check. I didn't know what that was. At this point, I didn't care. And I said, sure, just check me, see what's going on down there. And she checks and she says, well, you're at a seven, eight. Okay. (laughs) And I, Listening to your podcast, I said, oh, that that means the baby is probably coming soon, right? <laughs> she said, you want to call your husband, you're getting admitted. Yes. <laughs> said, oh, my gosh. So it's 4.30 in the morning, and uh, luckily we had some great friends down there. We didn't have family close, but we had got a hold of our friend at 4.30 in the morning. She sped to our house in five minutes, got to my daughter, and my husband hit the road. And in between that, they had started trying to wheel me over to admit me. And then I felt a very warm gush happening and water broke. Uh Never had that happen. Didn't know it was possible. Uh And I think I just started screaming, something's happening. I don't know what's going on, but it's wet down there. (laughs) And they're so calm. They are. They're so calm. They said, it's okay. You know, we're getting you there. We'll get you on the bed. We'll get you checked in. Again, still panicking, still not knowing what's going on with me or the baby. Um, So they had got me into delivery room and I, they said, just get whatever, whatever position's comfortable for you. You can start going into that position. So I think I was on all fours. I was the woman in the hospital screaming bloody murder at this point though. Okay. Okay. Were you thinking epidural or were you like, yes. did it even, okay. We, if, okay. if I ever planned to have the VBAC, I said, I want, when I start feeling the pain, I want the meds. Okay. So natural was never. It wasn't, it wasn't in the <laughs> cards. Okay. Never in the cards. I knew I kind of wanted the meds and have it be a little bit calmer sure. and not feel as much pain. Um, but I didn't realize at that point, once you get to a nine or a 10, it you can't is, have, it's very challenging to can't have yeah. the Okay. Okay. So then did you ask and they were like, uh, it's not going to happen. Like it's they, I, because I think I was still at a seven, eight when they wheeled me over, uh-huh. they had got me onto the bed and said, you know, we'll start trying to get your, uh, the anesthesiologist up here, right. but we have to get your blood drawn first. Uh-huh. And I didn't have IVs in me. The blood draw team wasn't there yet. They're still having me try to sign my VBAC paperwork oh my at God. the time as I'm breathing through right, contractions. Right. So I'm like, okay, can we please do pain meds? And she's like, okay, here's here they are to take your blood. Well, at the same time, they're checking my blood. And this was a span of maybe 20 to 30 minutes right. when I got wheeled over, taking my blood. And the doctor comes back in to check me and says, you're at a 910. So, yeah, it's... <laughs> And I just screamed. I said, what does that mean? When can I have pain meds? And she said, oh, honey, 
It's too late. You can't have any pain meds. (laughs) So I think I screamed at one point, can we just go to a C-section? Can you knock me out? And they said, no, you're going to do it. You're fine. (laughs) Which not fine at that point. I was in so much pain. And how far away was your husband at this point? I think at that point he was on the road, so maybe still had 30 minutes in his drive. And he was on speakerphone the whole time listening to me scream. (laughs) Which he said at the end he did not appreciate that. But I think at that moment we had both realized that he might not make it for the birth. So I said, I want you to be here in case he's born when you're not here. At least you can hear it and hear the cries. (laughs) So I, I think... Then she said, we need to get you ready and prepped at least an IV in uh-huh. and, and ready to start pushing. I think I had asked, when do I push? How do I push? Because we hadn't practiced breathing techniques. Right. And I had no idea really the pain that it would be. And it's so hard to still describe. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend actually said, well, I had a great description. It was like everybody is hooking your limbs up to like four different vehicles and just trying to pull you apart because there's so much pain coming from so many different directions that I had no clue how to control my body. Uh-huh. The nurses were great though. They said, it's okay. We're going to teach you how to breathe again, get in whatever position is comfortable for you. When you get the urge to push, just, you have to let us know first. Right. And I had heard the term, the ring of fire. Uh-huh. And I, I think Maybe 10 minutes after they checked me, I said, I think I have to push. Uh I'm feeling a lot of pressure. I'm feeling something going on down there. Right. So the doctor came back in. I think at that point, the OB doc had switched out with my on-call doc. Okay. So not my original um, OB, but whoever was on-call at the clinic at that time. And she looked at me and she said, when you called me, you said your contractions were 12 to 15 minutes apart. Right. So they were. They I wasn't were. I'm lying. not lying. I wasn't making it up like this. <laughs> yeah. She says, okay, well, we need to start pushing. And husband was still not there. And they looked at my phone. And they said, who do you have on the phone right now? I'm like, it's my husband. He's trying to drive here. He's trying to deliver. And she's like, okay, you can keep him on. But we have to get you in position and start pushing. And they said, okay, when you start to feel the pressure, we're going to push and I think they want you to count to three and try to hold it and they said you have to keep ramping up the pushes like this is a marathon and a sprint all in one you have to keep pushing harder and harder and harder to get him out (laughs) and you know I I felt like I was in the twilight zone that it was all such a dream and it wasn't happening because it came so fast so Thinking back now, I'm like, wow, I don't know how we did it. I don't know how I pushed. Um. That's, that is, so you're, okay. I just have some, okay. So like, (laughs) so your husband's on the phone this whole time. Okay. And he, so in in retrospect, he says, was that like just too much for him? Yes. To be driving and hearing you screaming, like someone's trying to kill you all at the same time. And my husband's not a crier Uh and- I'm not usually someone who's ever been in that much pain. You know, I've uh-huh. gone through a lot, but uh-huh. I don't think he has ever heard that sound in my right. voice. Right. And he and just, it, was, it yeah. was too much. Yeah, that's, yeah. Hey, so you made it this far in the episode and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favor to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me, and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up. And that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. 
Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the all about pregnancy and birth community. Now back to the show. So then you start pushing. How, how long did you push? Well, I had asked the question. I said, how long is this going to take? Because <laughs> I don't know how long I can push for it. Right. I think I asked multiple times again, can we just go for the C-section? Right. They had looked at the monitors and said, well, we're seeing some variations, but at this point, we're, it's too far. We have to keep pushing. And right. You know, pushing depends on the person. It could take 10 minutes. It could take an hour. Right. It really depends on right. where baby is and the positioning. So I think I started pushing around 445. Uh-huh. And my husband came sprinting in the room at 5 o'clock. Okay. So he got to be there for some of the pushes. Um, he was in tears. They stopped at one point and looked at him and said, are you going to be okay? <laughs> I think he was shaking the bed more than I was from coming into that situation. And they mentioned that I had a lip. Mm -hmm. So they said, you know, you keep pushing, but there's a lip he has to get over. That's the correct term. Uh (laughs) And then the doctor looked up at me and said, are you okay if I make a cut? And I broke down in even more tears than I was already in. I, just something I wasn't expecting to hear right. and wasn't prepared for. And she said, okay, never mind. We'll wait. <laughs> and by, so I started at 445. By five, my husband got there and he came out at 517. <laughs> okay. I, wow. Okay. That is a lot. That is a lot. Okay, so then when he came, okay, when he came out, was he screaming, happy, all of that stuff? He started screaming pretty quick, but they had mentioned as soon as he came out, they said, oh, he had a double nuchal. Uh-huh. So the cord was actually wrapped around twice, which mm-hmm. shocked us. But he, mm-hmm. they said we were monitoring. I think they had at one point done an internal monitor okay. of his heart rate. Uh-huh. Because they, I don't even know if I had gotten hooked up to all the machines required. Sure. So right. I think they did that as a as a quick measure. Right. And they said it's okay. He's he's totally fine. He's up. He's screaming. Mm-hmm. They put him on me the second uh-huh. he came out. Okay. Um, and we could tell he was okay. Right. And just in shock, but yeah, we weren't expecting the double nuchal either, which we had to ask questions about after because mm-hmm. we didn't know what it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's sometimes the cord just it's actually. Um, it's not uncommon that the cord gets wrapped around the baby's neck. So okay. how, how did you feel once, once he was out? Like how? It was so, so much emotions because of how fast it happened. It was amazing just to have him there that uh-huh. we had made it through the pain and the contractions. And my right. husband had the biggest sigh of relief on his face. And just, we just sat there in a moment of silence almost. And the doctors and nurses were still working down there, but it was just such a big sigh of relief that right. it was over and done. Right, right. And then the pain was not there anymore, hopefully. <laughs> as soon as he came out, they gave me fentanyl Okay. Um, to help because they had to... I had asked her, I think, shortly after he was born, oh, how did how bad was it down there? Right. I had heard of all the levels of, de- of tearing, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and she said, oh, it's... Do you have a second degree tear? And I said, okay. oh, that's not the worst, right? Right, right. exactly. She <laughs> said, it's not the worst. I think the next painful part was um, the check if all the placenta had come out mm-hmm. and the, the pushing and yeah. the, the grabbing I wasn't prepared for either. Gotcha. But after we made it through that, yes, it was just pain-free and it felt amazing. Okay. All right. So then... How, and I know you had a little bit of issues postpartum with healing and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that, but, um, what, I mean, what, what, how are you feeling in those like first few days after birth? 
still shock. I think uh-huh. we had texted our family and I think made some calls a couple hours later and said, guess what? And they all were like, you're not in the hospital, are you? Did something happen? Are you checked in? Are you in labor? And we sent the picture and they were like, oh my gosh, he's here. What happened? Like, you didn't call us to tell us you were in labor. You didn't tell us you were at the hospital. And we said, yeah, it's a, we're still processed. It took us probably a week or two to just process what mm-hmm. had happened and how quick it came. But we were excited and my, my daughter was thrilled to come and meet him. And they, as soon as they wheeled us to recovery, it was just relief and, yeah. and shock. And we yeah. hadn't even picked out a name officially until probably 10 minutes after he was born. Right, right, <laughs> right. I mean, do you feel a mix of, some people feel a mix of when it goes so fast. Like some people are like, oh, it's, you know, I you I wanted to go fast. You, you think you wanted to go fast. And then it actually happens. When, for some people, when it happens, it is, it's incredibly overwhelming because it's like you have, it's like you have zero control over what's happening in your body. Like all of these things are just happening and you can't stop it. You just have to just move with it. Is that how you felt? Yeah, I, looking back it, I feel like it got stolen from me a little Mm. bit because it went so fast and Mm -hmm. I think the pain kind of made me black out parts of it. Mm -hmm. I wish I could have had it go slower and remember it and know what contractions were like. And I don't even remember who the delivery nurses or doctor was because Uh it went so fast. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was a little sad sure. about how fast it all went. Sure. I can understand that. I can understand that. So then what was the postpartum period like in terms of your healing? This was my um, reason for wanting to come on the show, actually, mm-hmm. is because I had heard about recovery after feedbacks or just after natural births in general. And I will say it was way worse than my C-section. My C-section really? was, was very... Uh, easy, in Uh my opinion, Uh recovery. And I I think the worst that had happened is I thought I had a hernia and it just ended up being the end of a stitch that I could feel uh, in my stomach. But otherwise everything went so smooth. And the first week or two was really hard. It's just a different sort of pain and pressure and scariness to go to the restroom Mm -hmm. after having that, that type of birth. Mm -hmm. And I almost had the sinking feeling that something wasn't going right. Mm. So by my six-week appointment, I went in and it was my normal OB and she was great. And she did a check and she said, you know, I don't want to scare you, but we have a little bit of granulation tissue. And I said, well, what does that mean? You know, I, I thought everything was going good. Like I didn't have pain at the six-week point. I was back to light lifting and working out. And she said, oh, it's just when your body overheals itself almost. Mm -hmm. So I had had it along where they sewed my tear Uh on the inside. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't something you could see. Right. And I didn't have pain with it, which a lot of people do, Mm -hmm. I learned after. So she said, it's okay. I'm just going to use some silver nitrate Mm -hmm. and essentially burn it off. Mm Mm-hmm okay, (laughs) I guess we'll do that. I don't know what it is. Right. So she burnt it off. And then at that point we had moved to North Carolina. So she said, go do a follow-up when you get there and just make sure everything's healing correctly. Mm -hmm. And I still had a sinking feeling something was wrong, Mm -hmm. but no pain again. I just, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh man, I, I wonder if something's going on. And then at my... 12, it was probably 10 or 12 weeks at that point uh-huh. with a new OB and he did a check and he said, oh, I hate to tell you, but there's probably three or four spots of granulation tissue still. Okay. 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 <laughs> was then, it painful at all? No, I didn't notice it at all. And you okay. can't, you can't see it. Mine right. was all internal. Right. Right. Had y'all, um, had you had sex at all? Was sex painful? <laughs> so I hadn't been cleared yet. Uh, got it. Because, and they okay. said I probably wouldn't have noticed it, the pain or the extra bleeding that can come along with it until mm-hmm. that point mm-hmm. or until mm-hmm. you use tampons again. Sure. So I had no clue. Gotcha. No pain, no bleeding. Gotcha. 
<laughs> but they said, you know, it can cause some issues. So we really want to get it taken care of. Mm-hmm. So he didn't want to just burn it again. He wanted to go have a procedure in office, which they did a local uh-huh. numbing uh-huh. and then cut the tissue out and then put the silver nitrate on the the cut lines. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's more extensive then. Like that wasn't just a little spot that yeah. was, yeah. Yeah. So then how was the healing after that? Uh, so I had started to do my research on it at this point mm-hmm. and learning that I was the lucky probably 5% that got granulation tissue. Yeah, and it seemed to only be after like a forcep delivery from what I could find or like very, very traumatic deliveries. Or more complicated tears sometimes. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I'm the lucky. I'm the lucky one. My mom <laughs> told me to go buy a lotto ticket at that point. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, I went back in for my checkup again. And he said, wow, it came back again. <laughs> so he said, we need to put you under. And we need to go in and surgically remove these portions. Right. Which I was like, wow, I couldn't even get put under or, you know, anesthesia for my delivery. And now I'm getting put under for the postpartum recovery process. That's not fair. So it wasn't a just, it was really, really hard postpartum because you just don't feel like you're yourself yet when you Mm -hmm. know something's wrong, even though I couldn't feel it and there was no pain. Right. It's just, you get defeated a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So then after that, was that the last? time yes so i i got put under did the did the procedure and got released that day and my follow-up i was all clear and i looked at my ob and said i'm sorry but i don't want to see you for a very long time (laughs) (laughs) and then physically do you feel okay Um, sex painful or anything no i feel great now it it seems like a blur looking back Mm -hmm. because i didn't get cleared probably till 15 15 or 16 weeks, I wasn't gotcha. really cleared. Okay. But okay. no, I'm I'm back to exercise and nothing is painful. And gotcha, gotcha. No issues now. Did they recommend pelvic physical therapy at all? So they did. None of my doctors recommended it, but mm-hmm. I also have a husband who's a strength coach who ah. works. He's a strength coach for the military, so he works with physical therapists, athletic trainers, uh-huh. and he's done a lot of that knowledge himself. So uh-huh. he did. Um, my workout plans during pregnancy, during postpartum, which he incorporated a lot of that anyways. Gotcha. Um, so I never really had the core issues or the pelvic floor issues, okay. I think, in part to following a plan like that. Sure, sure. That's great. That's great. So then, oh, and I guess I should ask, did you have any issues? Did that any of that interfere with like breastfeeding or that kind of thing? No, it didn't. I made my breastfeeding journey until probably eight and a half, nine months with him. Okay. And then we just kind of naturally weaned. But no, I had no issues with that in breastfeeding. And breastfeeding was very smooth first and second time around. Okay. Good. 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 So then when you when you look back, like how do you feel about everything? I really wish I could almost do it again, but we're uh-huh. done with two kids. You said two two and three. That's why my husband and I said we would say two and through. We were done. Two yes. and through. <laughs> but the the part that makes me want to redo it is feeling like it got stolen. I had mm-hmm. the C section and I had the V back and my doctor walked in after and said, You got your V back. Like right. yay, not right. many women get the V back experience. And I said, I don't really feel like I got it. Yeah. I feel like I got a, you know, a two hour contractions and a 30 minute push yeah. and he was out, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause it was, what time, did, what time did you have the first contractions? I think around one or two in the morning is when I felt them. And then by five 15 ish, he was here. Mm-hmm. That is, oh my goodness. That's, and I, I still can't get over you driving yourself. There's so many things that are just like pulling over and putting your flashers on at four o'clock in the morning and trying to get to the hospital. I know. 
Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm glad everything turned out well and I'm glad you came on to to share your story. And you're right. It's not something that I I know I haven't talked about granulation tissue and how some of those things can happen in healing postpartum. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to have to have an episode about it. Um, So it's it's definitely a good thing to to bring up. So I'm I'm, I'm glad you were able to come on. There's so many things (laughs) to learn from from your story. So then what would be your one favorite piece of advice that you would give to someone who's about to have a baby? Oh, I would say prepare for a plan A, B, C, D, and E. Mm-hmm. Try to learn and know as much as you possibly can because I thought I had learned enough and knew enough and I still wasn't fully prepared. I wish I would have tried to learn a little bit more about a VBAC or a C-section. Or- sure. Gotcha. Everything that goes on. But the podcast was great way for me to learn some of the different mm-hmm. options. Gotcha. 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 All right. So where can women connect with you? You can say nowhere if you're not on social media or not interested. <laughs> I'm not on social media, but if women okay. ever have questions about the granulation tissue, it's very rare and uh-huh. it was hard to find information for me. So if they ever want to reach out via email, I'm completely okay with that. Okay. Yeah. Just we folks can reach out to us and we can connect them with you. Well, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. This was really um, informative, educational. I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to come on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Wow, wasn't that a great birth story? I so appreciate Kelsey coming on and taking the time to share her experience with us. Now, every time after I have a guest on, I do something called Dr. Nicole's Notes, where I talk about my top takeaways from the conversation. Here are my Dr. Nicole's Notes from my conversation with Kelsey. Number one, there was some good and not as good things about her VBAC experience. So the good parts were that it was great that her doctor brought it up early because it definitely needs to be discussed early. It was also great that her doctor and hospital were generally supportive of VBAC, also something that should be happening. Now, the things that were not as great, it's not true that you can't be induced with a VBAC. Her doctor told her they don't do inductions with a VBAC, and and that's not true. Induction can absolutely happen if you've had a prior cesarean. Also, if you want to give someone the opportunity to go into labor with a VBAC, then the C-section shouldn't have been scheduled at 39 weeks. So in Kelsey's case, it was scheduled at 39 weeks. And we schedule a repeat C-section at 39 weeks in general, because most people actually haven't gone into labor at that point. And that's when we know that the baby is ready to come out. If you want to give someone the opportunity to go into labor with the VBAC, then you really need to schedule the repeat section about three or four or five days, even past 40 weeks. So you really want to schedule that repeat C-section after the due date in order to give people the most opportunity to go into labor on their own. Now, if you're thinking about a VBAC, then do check out episode 229 of the podcast. It's drnicolerankins.com forward slash episode 229, where I go through all the questions you need to ask if you are considering a VBAC so that you know you have a supportive doctor or hospital and you really set yourself up for success. Okay, next thing is there were some good things about her hospital that I want to point out. I love that the hospital had a birth plan process and that it was discussed prior to birth. Most hospitals do not have that. Now, without knowing what was in it, sometimes I do get concerned that hospital birth classes, maybe this process is about getting people into kind of the hospital ecosystem. So you really still need to do your own to make sure you have something that works. Of course, check out my free birth plan class, drnicolerankins.com forward slash birth plan. If you find that the hospital and what I teach is similar, then you know you're in great shape. If not, then you're also in great shape because you know what to do after taking my class. I also like that the hospital encouraged her to get into whatever position she felt comfortable with to push. That is excellent. Also loved that she said folks were a calming presence for her in the midst of her having challenges managing the pain. And they encouraged her that she could have that vaginal birth, even if she didn't think she could. Everyone should have that sort of calming presence and encouragement during their birth experience. Now, the one thing I didn't like, and this is the fault or a fault of all hospitals, Our obsession with like paperwork and signing forms is absolutely ridiculous sometimes. 
We are always asking people to sign paperwork when they're like screaming in labor. It makes absolutely no sense. So I wish we could back away from our obsession with paperwork and consent forms. All right, next up is epidurals. Just a quick note, the epidurals take time. You have to be prepared to manage pain without an epidural for a period of time. They can take anywhere from 30 minutes or longer to get set up for the anesthesiologist to be there. Sometimes they may be delayed. Epidurals are considered an elective procedure. They're not like a mandatory medical procedure, so they don't take precedence in terms of if there are other emergencies happening in the hospital. So you do need to be able to manage pain without an epidural for some period of time. Check out drnicolerankins.com forward slash pain. I have a free guide that you can download that goes over all your options for pain management. So you can check that out, drnicolerankins.com forward slash pain. And the companion podcast episode to that is episode 129. That's drnicolerankins.com forward slash episode 129, where I also go over all of your options for pain management during labor. Last couple things I want to say is my Dr. Nicole's notes. I have several for this conversation, as you can hear. Prepare the... Your partner should be prepared to see you in pain. You need to talk about that before you go into labor. It can be really overwhelming for husbands, partners to see their wife or their girlfriend or loved one in pain, or it can be hard for family members to see someone in pain. Um, We are used to that because we know that that's what labor looks like, but it can be very difficult if it's not something that you're used to seeing. Know that it is not like a danger or a threat um, to your health. It's actually a normal part of the labor and birth process. So your partner really needs to be prepared to see you in pain and something maybe that they have never seen you in before. And then the final point that I will say is about the granulation tissue. It is a rare thing that happens. Her experience of having needing to go to the OR is not typical, but I do want to let you know about things that can possibly happen. And most of the time, as in her experience, it does end up getting treated easily and recovery is um, not you know, difficult or prolonged. Do consider pelvic physical therapy though. If you have any issues after birth, really everyone should see a pelvic physical therapist after birth. We just don't have that set up in our system. So this is another place where pelvic physical therapy can be helpful to help you get in your best shape after you have a baby. So there you have it. Um, Do me a solid. Share this podcast with a friend. Sharing is caring. It helps me to reach and serve more people. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to me right now. And I would love it if you leave a five-star review in Apple Podcast. Helps the show to grow. Helps other women to find the show. And do check me out on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Nicole Rankins. I so, so love when y'all send me DMs about what you think about the show or when you send me DMs or, that are pictures of you and your baby, they, they really truly warm my heart and keep me going when things sometimes can be challenging. So shoot me a message on Instagram. I'm at Dr. Nicole Rankins and follow me there as well. I provide great little bite-sized snippets of pregnancy and birth information to help you there too. So that's it for this episode. Do come on back next week and remember that you deserve a beautiful pregnancy and birth. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.